Um, yeah, it's a real privilege for me to be here. Um, yeah, Joel already introduced um, Ermery, who is my wife. We've been married for 22 years, and it's such a blessing to have her here also. Uh, we have had your pastor at our church. He's probably spoken there about 20 times. I do find it weird that I've only been invited twice. Yeah, I just want to let that simmer in a little bit. Let's just let... <laughs> no, uh, it is so awesome to see what God is doing through these amazing leaders that you have in this church. You guys are privileged. But, but not just them. Your, your associate pastor, the servant heart that this man has, is... Julian, you're amazing. Like, seriously. You're like the dream um, of a senior pastor. Like, you don't understand how blessed Joel is to have you. Like, you're a blessing. Heather, where are you? You're amazing. Sheesh. She's like the woman that can do anything. Like, I think, like, Joel and I were supposed to arm wrestle. Um, but I think she'll beat Joel. Uh, it's like she just has this ability. And then, then Travis, where's um, the split personality Eric there at the back on sound? I mean, we had the awesome privilege to, to record with, with Jamie and Joel some, some um, sessions for Impact TV. And uh, just, he's such a blessing. You guys are, are truly blessed. Kerry, the worship, your worship team is phenomenal. Um, this is a blessed church. You guys are in, in the right place. You want to be here. Um, now, I've been going back and forth um, regarding the word that God wants to share with you this morning. Um, and I left for, for a moment during worship um, because uh, it's kind of God's gone through my, my head a few times and my heart a few times as I was preparing to, to speak here this morning. And, and the message has changed consistently. There's been, there's been a, like, God, I, I want to be able to communicate what you want me to share with this body. Because the intent for me speaking the word is to build the church. It's, it's, no, it's not to build a, a ministry or to um, be invited back, hopefully. Um, but, 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 but it's really, my, my goal is to strengthen Joel, your and Jamie's church. We want to strengthen the church with this message. Um, the hope is that when we leave here, this church is stronger than what it was before. Um, and it only happens through the word. And it's a word that's not spoken out of performance, but it's a word that's spoken through the Holy Spirit that's going to connect with the hearts that's here this morning. Now, <laughs> it is going to be a little bit of a confrontational word this morning. So are you open to that? Um, all the men say amen. Okay, good. Because we're going to talk to the men this morning, um, specifically, and this is not what I planned. I planned to talk about greater impact. That, that was my original message for the church. Greater impact means greater cost, which means greater accountability, which means greater generosity, because you have a pastor that want to have a greater impact. But that's not the message. So... <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so we are going to read from Genesis 3. I, was, I gave them slides, but it was for the other message, so they're not going to have that. So Genesis 3, verse 8. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. You are to turn there with me. Um, 
It goes like this. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God, and he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, that word walking there is one of the most beautiful words in Hebrew. Um, it's the word chulak. Isn't that just beautiful? It just rings off the tongue. <laughs> Everybody want to say that? Chulak. Chulak. There you go. Now, wipe the, 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 the uh, yeah, skin in front of you, the person. Just wipe that off right there. It's like you're really clearing your throat. If you ever want to know if you how to speak Hebrew, just clear your throat. Like, that's a full sentence. Chulak. There you go. So, chulak means, it literally means like you are taking your loved one's hand and you are strolling like you are going for an afternoon stroll with someone you love. So, which is beautiful, right? So, so this is God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So this is when the sun is kind of setting. So you can picture this. This is like that romantic stroll that you are taking with your loved one in the garden in the cool of the day. Um, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Isn't that just such a big leap from where they were just before this? Before this, God would show up and say, let's, we're going to watch a sunset. Let's go watch a sunset. Like, we're going to walk. Let's go watch a sunset. And they walk with their hand in hand. And now God shows up, same date night. Right? We're going on date night. We're going to go watch the sunset, the creation. And this time, Adam's in a different place. Instead of going, yeah, God, I'm going to see this beauty, Adam's like, I'm hiding. Uh, I'm going to hide. And he said, uh, God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me. (laughs) And that's the message for today. (laughs) You're welcome. No, the woman that you put here with me, she gave me some of that fruit of the tree and I ate it. So, so here is the dominant question of today in culture. For me, this is the most dominant question that we should ask. And I think it can simply, the simplest way to say this, and I'll, I'll explain this, is the question, Adam, where are you? The missing man has become the crisis of the day. I did not say the missing male. I said the missing man. It's the question every single woman who can't find a worthwhile man to marry asks. She wants to know, Adam, where are you? It's a question that the single parent asks where the father abandoned the children. And she wants to know, Adam, where are you? It's the question churches And pastors who have a vision to see their communities and their cities transformed asked, Adam, where are you? Because we are constantly putting the woman into the roles where the man and the men are supposed to stand. And the question is, Adam, where are you? Now, now this is something that I saw so, um, the most real I've ever seen this was, I was in a prison ministry while we were still living in South Africa, and we used to go minister in juvenile prisons. Uh, We would go lead praise and worship, and then we would preach the word, and we would tell them that God's got a plan for them. Even though right now you're in a prison, God's got a plan for you. So there's one prison we ministered um, to regularly. Um, They only had 4,000 beds, but they were running at 9,000 occupants at that point in time. 
So you're talking about two people per, per bed plus one on the floor. That's the amount of people that was in this prison. Young men, some of them between the age of 12 and 16. Some of them still in the same clothes. We ministered there for two years. The same clothes after two years. I saw them the first time still wearing the same clothes because they have not been processed yet. And we would ask this question in the prison. We would speak to them about their purpose and that God's got a plan for them and, and that God's loving and they've got a loving father. And at the one point I asked the question, please tell me, how many of you sitting right here, or how many of you have an absent father? You don't know who your father is. And 9,000 hands went up. I said, maybe they didn't understand the question. Let me rephrase the question. Let me just make sure that they understand what I'm trying to communicate to them. And I said, okay, how many of you are not alive? And not one hand went up. And I figured, okay, so they understand English. So I said, I'm going to ask the question again. How many of you do not have a father figure in your life? Have an absent father. Every hand went up. So let me change that question again. How many of you have a father in your life? And not one hand went up. The question is, Adam, where are you? The funny part of that whole story is, so, so we would go in with big sound systems and big bass bins because it's a lot of kids, right? 9,000 of them, so set up the stage and the bass bins have those cabs inside. And, and the last time we were there, um, one of the kids uh, broke prison by climbing into the bass cab, which we didn't know. So we broke him out of prison. Um, and just so you know, he's still working for that sound company today. Um, we did not take him back. Um, <laughs> they did not invite us back also. But it's <laughs> tomato, tomato, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, so, so here's the thing. God is asking the question, Adam, where are you? Now, now uh, it's... Just to, to, theologically, you have to understand, when God said, man, where are you? Um, the word there is the word that's used for earth. Now, which means it wasn't, he wasn't asking the question of Adam and Eve. Because Adam was made from dust, earth. Eve was create, created from the rib, flesh. Different words. So the question God was asking, well, he wasn't asking it of both of them. He was asking him. Adam, where are you at? Now, <laughs> I know some of you are going, but God is omniscient, and he's omnipresent, and he's omnipotent. He knows everything. He sees everything. He's everywhere. How can God not know where Adam is? Um, I want to answer the question this way. So, so we have two teenagers. Um, one is 15, one is 17. And uh, we've learned from friends of ours that, that have had teenagers that, that being present in their lives is the best thing you can ever do for them. Right? You gotta be present. So, so when they got their cell phones, we have an app on the phone where we can track where they are at. And it's not just a find my iPhone thing because you can switch that off. I don't know if you knew that, but <laughs> you can, you can turn that off. So, so it's one that we put on there that, that they don't have control over. So we are able to track them. Not because we want to police them, but because I am the parent and I have to parent them. It's part of training up, right? It says train up your child and they will not depart from it. So training means I'm, I'm going to set an example and they're going to follow me in, in, in the direction that I'm going. So we have to be present. In our home, we have a policy. There's no such thing as privacy, except when you go to the bathroom. 
But besides that, there's nothing. They can go on any of my devices. Anything that I have, they have access, access to at any given point in time to inspect. Because there's nothing that I have to keep from them. And the same capacity, we want to train our children up that there is nothing that you have to keep private from me because the only things you want to hide are the things that are wrong. So, so we have this app, and, and um, so friends of ours told us about what they did with their kids. So, so the daughter asked the parents, listen, um, I would like to go to a party. It's at this guy's house. So then the obvious questions we ask as parents is, are the parents going to be there? Is it going to be supervision? Is there going to be alcohol? Because, you know, we, we know what young people do. I, I've been one. Um, you know, like what are the age groups of the people that's going to be there? Right? All the questions. And, and like none of the boxes were the right ones ticked. So like, no, you can't go. That's not a good place to go. It's not a safe place for you to do because my role is to go out and keep you as a parent. So, okay, so, so the week went on, and the girl came back and said, okay, so um, I'm not going to go to the party, but can I go to Lucy's house for a sleepover? Sure, you can go to Lucy's house for a sleepover, no problem. <laughs> so, so girls at Lucy's house for a sleepover Friday night, and dad is like a good dad texting, hey, how are you? What are you guys doing? Oh, no, we're just watching a movie, Greatest Showman, uh, musical, um, you know, it's just the two of us. And dad's like, okay. And, and then <laughs> what happens is with inside parents, kids, if you are here, if teenagers, if you are here, I just want you to know the only parent who, um, I want to say, who does not know that you are lying is the one who's not caring. Because we know. You can tell me whatever you want. I know every time I told my parents a lie, they knew. <laughs> like, they, they knew. like parents, we know. So what do you do with what you know? You've got to respond. So, so the dad is like, mm, I just don't, I don't think she's at Lucy's house. So the dad checks the app. No, opposite side of town. She's not at Lucy's house. So now he goes to where she is. So now he's in front of the house. And uh, what's happening is he says, okay, so now I'm going to call her. So he calls her. She doesn't answer. Calls her again. She comes running out of the house. Why? Because the music's playing she couldn't answer the first time, right? So now she's running out of the house, outside of the house, and she, yeah, Dad, yeah, how are you? Yeah, Dad's like, how are you doing? No, I'm doing great. Well, what are you doing? No, I'm just making popcorn. Mm. <laughs> the dad's like, where are you at? She's like, no, I'm at Lucy's house. No, no, where are you at? He said, Dad, I'm uh, making popcorn in the kitchen. He said, no, where are you at? And then he hit the high beams. See, he wasn't asking her about her location. He was asking her about her position. The position is what is key here. As you are supposed to be standing within truth and honesty and relationship, why have you left that position? You are out of position. So God's not asking for your location, Adam. God's asking you about your position. Men, God's asking us about our positions and the roles that we have abandoned in the home, in the church, in society, in our culture. Adam has abandoned his calling. Adam's abandoned his position. So the question of where you are is a question of positioning. Ezekiel 22.30, if you have your Bibles, turn there. This, this, this scripture is so significant. I, I, I almost feel like if the church worldwide can catch, um, 
catch the heart of this, this passage specifically, we would be able to change the world. The scripture says the following, God says, I was looking for a man to stand in the gap so that I would not have to curse the land. But I could not find one. I could find none. See, there are plenty of males. Males has to do with plumbing. But he said, I can't find a man. Big difference. He's not looking for males. So apparently, you can be a male and not be a man. Based on God's word. He says, because I could not find a man, I had to curse the land. So, so if we want to see, like, do you guys think that currently, oh, I don't even, like, I know we will agree on this. The land that we are living in is a cursed land. And by cursed, I mean society is losing all morals, all values. Um, they're confused about their gender. They're confused about what's right and wrong and what marriage is and what marriage is not. The world is in a place where the culture surrounding us is a cursed land. And the reason it is cursed is because God is telling us in his word, I cannot find a man. There's plenty of males, but no man. Adam has abandoned his position. And so the desperate need for today is to call males back to being men. As God defines a man, not as culture defines it. It's time to wake up this house. It's time to wake up the men in this house. Now, I want to say, first of all, I know Joel and them, you guys are doing an amazing job with your men's ministry throughout the week where you're studying with 33, uh, right? So you're doing a study. Um, there, there's so many things that you are doing awesome. But my question, just something small, you know, maybe you have it, maybe you don't. Where were the male singers this morning? You want to tell me in this congregation there's not a worshiping man that has the ability to stick to a melody? So when we go out today, we're going to be having auditions by this door. No, I mean, come on, man. Your voices should be the loudest. It should be. Now, ladies, I know you're going to have one or two reactions. It's going to either be, oh, no, it's going to be one of those man messages. Yes, it is. <laughs> but the others of you who don't have that viewpoint, you're going to be very excited about this message because the man in your life or the one you hope he becomes will be a man as God defines him. That will change your home. That will change your environment. So here's the first thing that I want you to understand about a man in his position. Not his location, but his position. And this is this. It's a position of priority. I know some of you won't like that, but this is not a popularity meeting. Um, it's a, it's a, a, a time for us to reflect on God's word and allow the word to be a mirror to us. 
like, like let's look at what the word says regarding it. So, so here's what 1 Timothy 2.12 says. God created Adam first and then he created Eve. The word first means order. In order. First does not mean more valuable. First does not mean God created Adam and he was more valuable than Eve. Or the, the role of priority means that God loves Adam more than he loves Eve. No. He made him better than Eve. No. We are created equally in value, but we are created different in order and position. It's different. It's when we start crossing over into roles that we're not supposed to be in that homes get messed up. So the word first means the order. God spends a whole chapter in Genesis 2 discussing Adam before Eve is ever created. Why? Because it would be the man he would hold responsible. So, man, don't go, yeah, priority, we first. You know what priority means? You're responsible. That, that thing that you want to boast in, you know, I'm the man, you know, I'm the man is first, the man is first. You know what the man is first means? That you are the responsible one for your home. You are the responsible one for your children, not your wife. You are. You are the responsible one for training them up. For leading them, for loving. You are the one that's supposed to be the one that leads your children to church on Sunday mornings. You are responsible for the gathering here. The responsibility is given to you by God in order. Not to misuse and abuse. Because that's happened. But God's order, when we keep it in order and that responsibility becomes something that we hold on to, we change the world. He said, Adam, where are you? Because you are responsible. So if you are going to be God's man, you will have to take the responsibility of everything that follows after. The heart of God for a man is for all of us. If we can just go this morning, if we leave here, God, I have been moving responsibility, dodging responsibility, I've been placing it on my wife. I've been moving. It's the church. The church should be the evangelist. The church should bring Jesus to the people. And they should evangelize people. And no, man, you have to. The church should be doing that. No, you have to. We are to lead. That's God's heart. Listen to Malachi. Malachi 4. It says, there will be a messenger who will come. Who, listen to this, man, and I think this is so out of order right now. There will be a messenger who will come, who will restore the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers, so that I will not have to curse the land. Wow, that for me is like a, a chicken bump, um, goose chicken. <laughs> Freckles, what do you call it? <laughs> Goose freckles, I've got them all over. So, man, oh, when the fathers are restored to the children, the children are restored to the fathers, the curse of the land is removed. Oh, I mean, come on. 
that will change the world. Oh, I love that scripture so much. So if our culture is declining, and it is, and while we can discuss all the reasons why it's declining, we can say it's the politics, and we can say it's um, uh, sociological, we can say it's racial, uh, we can discuss all the reasons why culture, we can say it's, it's the, the government, it's the leaders, it's whoever, you, you know, um, is making the decisions, we can say it's TikTok, we can say it's um, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever else you want to blame, we can blame all those things. But God says the reason is first, in the front, where are the men? Tony Evans, love Tony Evans, great teacher. He, he write, he has got, he's got a book for the men. If you want to go buy a good book and you want to listen or read it, it's called Kingdom Men. Um, he writes this in the book. He said, if, you, if you're a messed up man and you have a family, you're going to make a messed up family. He said, if you're a messed up man contrib- uh, contributing to a messed up family, and our messed up family goes to church, you should find another church. So that's what Joel would say. But um, <laughs> no, if our messed up family goes to church, then your messed up family is going to contribute to a messed up church. If the messed up man contributing to a messed up family resulting in a messed up church and your church is supposed to be the light to the neighborhood, then your messed up church is going to make a contribution to a messed up neighborhood. If you're a messed up man contributing to a messed up family, resulting in a messed up church, causing a messed up neighborhood, and your neighborhood's part of a city, well, now then, your messed up neighborhood's going to make its contribution to a messed up city. And that messed up city is going to cause the messed up world. And you know what the other part of that is? There's a scripture that says the world has foolish talk about the church. For us, our mandate, something that Ermi and I carry very strongly, is we want to change the foolish talk of the world about the church. But it's because we have messed up men leading messed up families, causing messed up neighborhoods, causing messed up churches, causing messed up cities. So if you want a better world, because they, they're made up of better cities, and you want a better world inhabited with better neighborhoods and better churches that are made up with better families, we've got to start by being better men. Because it all rests on the position of a man. Because the man was first. He is to function as the foundation. The foundation. Now the foundation, man, it's not pretty. So already there we can tick the box. We don't have to look great. The founda- we never inspect the foundation and go, man, that's a good looking foundation. We go, man, that foundation can carry the house. So it doesn't matter what state you are in. Doesn't matter if you are a worship leader, if you are a usher, if you make food, if you serve outside, if you are, um, when you're present with your kids at school, if you direct traffic, it doesn't matter what space you are in. Doesn't have to be beautiful, but the foundation has to be there. Because we can't build the house without the foundation. And right now, we have wonky houses because the men, the footing is gone. And we need to return it. If the foundation is shaky, doesn't matter how well you built the top, it's going to fall. Now, now listen, ladies. The good thing is, you make everything else look pretty. 
You have the ability to present the house in such a way which most men cannot even dream of. I said it last night, right? When you go to a single guy's um, apartment, what you will find in his bedroom is a blanket, a pillow. That's it. <laughs> right? When you go to a single girl's apartment, you'll find flowers, 18 pillows. Uh, that's just by the door. <laughs> it's, it's all those extra things. But the problem is now, nowadays, the church, all the, the women are working so hard in the church on being foundational issues that they struggle to do the other things that they're supposed to do also, which is to make the church so presentable that all the neighborhoods and everybody surrounding us want to come in because we're functioning out of our roles. Now, I know some of you guys are thinking, um, you know, even though, Andres, you're talking about an abandoned culture, abandoned male abuse, I, I know uh, male disregard, males leaving their position, male irresponsibility, um, males not standing in their position of priority and responsibility, Andres, it's not me. I, I haven't abandoned. I'm present. I'm here. Um, and first of all, I want to say thank you for standing in the role that you're supposed to stand in. I can't tell you how much it means to pastors and leaders and churches that we know that in a moment I can call on that guy and he will always be there. But it shouldn't just be that guy. It should be, I must be able to take out the Rolodex, <laughs> old school. Um, <laughs> right? the, the, the churches, uh, I must, should be able to take out the church's database and I must be able to point at any man. And say, his heart is for God. We can call on him at any time. You must be the first to raise your hands. There are so many areas where men have failed. And, and, and this is, I am continuously growing. Um, in, with my wife, with my children, as a husband, as a father, as a leader, I'm continuously at a place where, where I'm going, man, I just messed up. And then I repent. I go, God, I'm sorry. Like, I messed up there. And I apologize to the people that I messed up to. And then what I want to do is the reason is because I want to be better in the responsibility role than what I just was. I want to be better because I want to represent God as accurately as I possibly can to the people that need to hear about him. So, so we do mess up, but, and there are different ways where we can still grow. And I want to encourage you men, do everything you possibly can to grow your relationship with God. Now, the foundation is not the whole thing. We spoke about that. Um, ladies, you are critical to the house. You are critical. And if I was here another week, I could have definitely, uh, we could have spoken about that also, and Emery would have spoken into that also. But um, I, can't, I can't talk about your value today as much as I would like to. But I do feel that there, this is a time, desperately in the time of the world, where the men have to be called up and called out. It says in verse 8, I'm almost where are we for time. Oh no, I've got lots of time. Okay, good. It says in verse 8, it says in verse 8, he was hiding from the presence of God. Adam was hiding from the presence of God. Watch this. Watch where he was hiding. In the garden. 
He was hiding from God in his house. So don't miss that. Not only was he hiding from God in his house because the garden was Adam's house. That's where he was living. It's his house. Adam went to the house to get the leaves to hide with from God. So he used what God gave him to hide from God. He literally used God's blessing to hide from God. And today we have men who want all the blessings that God can give him. And then they use that blessing to hide from him. So you can hide from God in the church also. With the blessings of God. And you can be hiding from him. How? And I'm so blessed. You know what? Um, I'm just going to give. Which is a good thing. Because generosity is a part of a leader's heart. Uh, you know, my contribution to churches, I'm so blessed for that. I'm just going to give. The reality is God has placed in you not just the generosity gift, but he's placed in you the gift of responsibility to fulfill a role in the church. And it's not just giving. Don't hide behind what you've done. Don't hide behind your age. There are so many, um, I, I love just the health of this church. I love that you, you have uh, nine-year-olds to, I don't want to look at anybody specifically, 90, <laughs> 90, yes. And then the kids downstairs, the health of this church is so amazing. But listen, even if you are 90, God has already sown so much into you. You are not at a place of saying, I am retiring. Now I'll let the younger step up and serve. No, you, you carry authority and weight. You carry experience that the younger need. Like for me, when I have an older, uh, we've, we have a few pastors that speak into, my, uh, into our lives. And every time they speak, they speak with so much authority. Not because they are still pastors. They are retired. But they've never left their role to, to sow into the church. Gentlemen. You have a major role to play. This church's vision is massive. They cannot do it without you, sir. They need you. They need you to lead the younger generations with your integrity and your character and your wisdom. And with the heart and the vision of the church. Not to come take over the vision because God's given you a visionary leader. But to come under him and say, how can I serve you? How can we make this church have such a greater impact than what we've ever seen before? I am here. I am not going to be called absent. When you call my name, I'm going to say present. So the heart of God for a man is that we are operating underneath the authority of him and the authority that he's placed in our lives in his presence and not running from him. I realize that many men today do not have someone in their life to show them. Show them how to do this. But you have them here. They are present. 
Maybe you weren't raised with a dad um, that was present. We, we grew up in a culture in South Africa where, where my dad specifically, at 7 o'clock in the morning, he goes to work. 7 o'clock at night, he comes home. We eat dinner for a half an hour in front of the TV, and then he starts work again. My dad wasn't present. I have, a, I have an amazing dad. Um, he, he was an uh, extremely loving and um, thankful that he loved God and, and that I got some of that. But my dad was not present. I did not learn how to have a loving relationship with the father from my dad. And I should have. I should have. I never want my children or my children's children to ever say that I can't. Uh, my dad never taught me how to love God. We should be the examples in the home. It should not be just the moms. Moms, you play such an amazing role already. The heart of God for the man is that he operates underneath his authority and in his presence in relationship with God. Now, the thing about priority and order and responsibility, all of that flows out of relationship with God. If I'm in right standing with God, it means I'm going to love my wife right. If I'm in right standing with God, I'm going to father my children right. If I'm in right standing with God, I'm going to neighbor my neighbor right. But it comes, starts with loving relationship with God, not running from a relationship, thinking I can't grow anymore. I can't really worship anymore. I can't really go deeper in worship. I can't say, I've heard that message before. But it's that constant thing of saying, God, teach me, teach me, teach me, show me, teach me. I want to teach others. Now, how should a man operate? Instead of God saying, Adam, where are at? How would God say, Adam, you are present? What would be a sign? How would we know that when God looks at us, that God would go, you're present? I'm going to give you some, some, some ideas here. In chapter 2 of verse 15, then the Lord God took the man, because there was no woman yet. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden. That's his house, the Garden of Eden. Now, now listen, this is how you're going to know if you're present or not. To cultivate, another word used there is the word guard, and to keep it. Do you want to know if you are present, Adam? This will be the fruit. You are cultivating the land, and you are keeping it. So he gives the man a job. He gives the man a house, place to live, a garden. That's his house, and then he gives him a job. Now, now single woman, if, if you are here... Make it known. No. Um, <laughs> no. Single ladies, if you are here, make it known early, early. If there's no job, there's no romance. He gave him a place to live. He gave him a job before he gave him a wife. An irresponsible man is not worthy to be your husband. Because that's a man out of order. And if you are currently dating one that is irresponsible, if you that guy, man up. 
Man up, buddy. You can do it. Stop playing TV games. Man up. Take up your responsibility. God's got a purpose and a plan for you, and it's better than what you can imagine, think, or dream. But it starts by listening to his instruction. Cultivate and keep. You have a job and you have a responsibility. Because here's the thing. If he can't take care of himself, there's no way he's going to take care of you or your children. So he gave him a house. He gave him a place to live. He gave him a job. And then he said the words cultivate. Now, the word cultivate is not a word that we used a lot. Cultivate means that you are supposed to produce. So whatever state in life you are in right now, you know, sometimes we go through a message and we go, well, that's not really relevant for me anymore. But this is really whatever state of life you are in, God is calling you men to cultivate, which means you are supposed to produce fruit. You are supposed to produce more than what you currently have. There should be a plan. It's, it's the difference between the guy going to a job and because he has an employer or a guy going into the nations and into the neighborhoods because he's under God. The one who's under God goes to the same job, but his mindset is different. I am going to cultivate. I'm going to be the best laborer in this industry, in this business, in this job, in this position. That when they look at me, they are constantly seeing productivity and growth. There should be a reputation about you that is different than the rest of the people who are simply employers. To cultivate means that you are continually going to produce. In other words, the man... That God is looking for. It's not satisfied with just what he, what he has. He wants to produce more. I can ask the worship team to come up. That'll be great. The, the question is not are you going to work. The question is productive. are you productive in the work you do? God says I want to produce more. In this body, I want to produce more. Outside of this body, I want to produce more. As they join us here on stage. Um, I really believe the heart that God gave me specifically to speak this message, because I, I wasn't planning on speaking to, to the men. It wasn't the plan. I really believe why God changed the, the direction for me is because of the plan he has for this church. Uh, you guys are breaking ground. You, you are stepping into a new season where you are 300 people here today. But if God adds 3,000 tomorrow... Are you ready for it? And we cannot be ready for it until the men step into their roles in this body. The volunteer base, the core, the leadership, the teachers, the home group leaders, the, the, the ones who serve, it must be so strong 
that this body is able to handle whatever growth God brings. I, re- I read a scripture last night in Revelation 2 where God is speaking to the church of Ephesus. And he says, you're doing all these things amazingly. Um, you know, you're persevering, you're working hard, you're faithful. You know, you're seeing false teachers and you're calling them out and, and you're not growing weary. He said, but I have this against you. What I have against you is that you've lost your passion. You've lost your first love. And because you've lost your first love, what I'm going to do is I'm removing the lampstand from you and by that removal because you are lukewarm I do not want to be presented as a lukewarm God so I'm removing the lampstand from it because I don't want you to misrepresent me we want to be a church where God comes and I really believe this is here where God is coming and he's placing his lampstand right in the middle of Red Deer Alberta because you are not going to be a lukewarm church that misrepresents who our father is But men, it starts with you. Priority. Order. Like men get excited to worship God. Men get excited to see our neighborhoods change and the lives of our children influence. Men get excited to teach our children how to serve God, how to love God. Having conversations in the car, not ignoring our children, but actually diving into their worlds, speaking to them in their language, being present. When that happens, and, and I know, that, I want to say again, I was watching you in your worship this morning, and, and I was like, your heart for worship is so beautiful. That has to be this whole congregation. Amen. So, so here's what, what we're going to do this morning, and this might feel awkward to you. We're going to sing a song that's called, I Speak Jesus. And I'm not going to, ladies, I'm not going to ask you to stay seated. I'm going to ask the men to stand up. And here's the thing. We have to speak Jesus. Every single one of you. You have to be the leaders that start speaking Jesus more than your wives and your children and the grandparents. It's you. You got to speak him. He's got to be on your lips. It, it has that, that one part in the song where it says, um, shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets. And then it says that one part, and Jesus for my family. Man, when you hit that part, I almost want to, for me, every time when I get there, it's like, oh, I want to cry because that is my heart more than anything else. My personal family, but for this family, man, Jesus for my family. And it has to be your cry, your voice. So man, we're going to sing that. And ladies, I'm going to ask you to join later on, but not right yet. Okay, I want you to hear these men saying, I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Men, can we do that? Can we do that? Amen. So if you can't sing, say it. If you can't sing, sing it out. Amen.